NZ Aerosports, Icarus Canopies, now Gyro. That's right, we've rebranded, and Gyro is our next generation. It honours our founder, as that's the name we knew him by, but Gyro also marks the start of a new chapter. And not to be biased, but it's going to be fucking epic. Long story short, we're more us than ever. So if you're new to the sport, or even a Sky God Ninja Turtle, welcome. I think our valiant leader Lucy, Gyro's daughter, Says it best. And we still got that fuck your attitude. <laughs> Rebrand! Woo! Rebrand woo indeed, Lucy. Anyway, head over to gyro.com for more info and get amongst your legends. I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So, I thought I'd better sell her a new one. What a sentence and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, he pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by, but Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! All right, we got another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void coming straight from the can. And again, as always, the magic of the internet helps me out quite a lot. I've got somebody that's got some really unique perspectives, not just on skydiving, but on a whole lot of really extreme things that uh, I don't think most of us think about too much. So uh, tell me, who the fuck are you and what do you do? <laughs> I am Hannah Betts, and I'm a professional skydiver turned stuntwoman. Professional skydiver turned stuntwoman. I've watched the, <laughs> the Facebook posts and all the crazy shit you get to do, uh, pictures of you flying through the air with fire behind you. It looks so cool. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting job, that's for sure. It's got to be. I mean, is this something that you always wanted to do? Did you Were you a kid going, I want to go be a stuntwoman? 
you know what it, it is it's funny i mean i grew up doing gymnastics and a lot of other sports um and the funny thing was just before i got into skydiving i started actually looking at how to become a stunt woman kind of when i was in my 20s um in england and then skydiving just as you can see took just completely took over my life um, <laughs> and like yeah as it does and you know my life took a, a pretty dramatic 180 degree turn but ironically <laughs> 10 years later skydiving that um kind of came full circle and broke me into stunts how cool so, is that yeah it's funny how life works out like that so how how did the whole <laughs> skydiving thing start for you and and where did it start because you said you're from so, england Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm originally from Cornwall. Um, and then I was actually um, living in Birmingham at the time. Um, I I was, I used to be a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> not, not, I know not many people know I was a full-time uh, police officer for four years. Um, and um, I, uh, growing up in Cornwall, I was used to, you know, a lot of space and adventure and um outdoor sports and uh, honestly in Birmingham I was I was just bored all right fair <laughs> like, enough what, what can I what can I do that's kind of outdoorsy somewhere close to a city um and I just had this idea oh you know what I'm just gonna go skydiving and it was one of those bucket list things I'll sure. get my A license say uh, you know say I've done it and, and move on and obviously uh I didn't move on well and so <laughs> so you were an active duty police officer happened. when you made your first jump I was, yes. All right, so um, all right, let me ask you a completely <laughs> off the wall question. You're an active okay. duty cop. Yes. Skydivers do a lot of illegal shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. Well, so um, was yeah. that had to have been? I mean, professionally, was that kind of difficult? Because I mean, I never censored myself on the drop zone, and I know most people don't. So uh, walking on the drop zone as a cop must be weird. Honestly, it, re- it well, funnily enough, I actually transferred from. Um, West Midlands Police to Nottinghamshire Police, so I could live on the drop zone at Langer. Oh God! <laughs> so I could save money. Um, so basically, like my mortgage money uh, turned into jumping money. I lived in a trailer for two and a half years while oh, that's I while I was an active duty cop. So the cops were sponsoring <laughs> your skydiving. <laughs> oh. um, but no, it wasn't. It was um, it was fine. You know what I mean? I wasn't one of those annoying police officers that wanted to arrest people for every little thing. I I'm, I was a bigger picture person, so I didn't really. Which is cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think anybody that's attracted to skydiving is going to lean that way anyway. We had the, um, a guy that was the Las Vegas version of uh, the drug enforcement um, that was an active skydiver. And one of the other fun <laughs> jumpers was an active drug dealer. And they had this kind of unspoken agreement between the two of them that on the drop zone, it was all good, but exactly. I catch your ass off the drop zone and you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I think that's probably quite a good analogy. So, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, that's got to be weird. I, I rem- honestly, I remember, I full on remember when my inspector who was in charge of me found out that I'd moved to the drop zone. He was like, I can't have one of my bloody constables living like some fucking zippo on a drop zone. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I remember him saying it, um, and I was like, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I always had this mental image. Uh, I've Obviously, being in skydiving for a bunch of years, I've worked with more Brits than I can count, and I always had this mental image of the skydiving scene there being a lot like a Guy Ritchie movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> right? Uh, you know, a lock stock kind of snatch thing and and that's, so uh, that's the, hilarious. Yeah, the 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 gypsy caravans always it always kind of cracked me up. That and when I worked in Cross Keys, we would have every week we'd watch a Guy Ritchie movie. So I'm sitting around a bunch of Brits who are quoting snatch line from line, you know. So that's hilarious. That's Love very it. fun. So you started yeah. skydiving there. When did you decide being a cop uh, wasn't for you and being a skydiver was? Um, well, I was, um, uh, I, I got on a team, um, an all-female four-way team that we put together, um, and we were very, very dedicated to trying to win the national championships, but which actually involved beating the current world champions. There was another British team at the time, and they were actually the current world champions. Wow. But we had quite a special team put together, but we, we were lacking in experience, and we knew the only way that we would beat them is if we tried to go full-time uh, training. And we were lucky enough to secure like a sponsor that would allow us to jump and just survive. Okay. Um, and so I, we all ditched our jobs. Wow. And took a bit of a gamble to to train. You know, we, we knew we had to get like 700, 800 jumps in by the end before nationals. Otherwise, we wouldn't, um, We you know, the potential was there, but we had to go intensely. And sure. we did. And we, um, we were complete underdogs. And I think a lot of people thought initially our ambition was cute and adorable, but uh, we, we beat them. Wow. <laughs> we wow. went to the World Championships. Yeah. Um, so, so that was, that was kind of the turning point. Officially, I took a career break. You can do that, um, with Nottingshire police for up to five years. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, and I remember getting the phone call <laughs> when I was on the drop zone. I kind of forgot. Like, are you coming back? I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Wow. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people even in skydiving who you would say, yeah, I'm going to give up my, uh, my job as a police officer to, to jump on a four-way team. And right. even skydivers would go, whoa, you're what? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it was really funny. It, it was quite a magical time because there was, there was four of us and we, we all had professional careers and the other girls had very high corporate careers you know I was really the only one in, in public service and mm. they, they gave up a way bigger salary than I did to to make it happen and it, it, it was a big gamble um but it but it paid off you know not without a lot of sacrifices sure um, now, how, but, did, how, yeah. did, how did family and friends react to this because I mean if you've got skydivers that are, are doubtful you know woofos mm. they aren't going to understand it at all you know I, I think my family I don't know. They just, they rolled with it. I think they, I, I think they deep down, they knew no matter what they were going to say or what their opinion was, it wasn't, it wouldn't matter anyway. I was going to do it. Right. So we were just very, very focused on the end goal. It's funny. I look back on it now and there just wasn't like a shadow of doubt about anything. It was, it was interesting. It's just, this is what we need to do. We need to be fully committed, like shit or get off the pot kind of thing. And What do you so, think it is about skydiving? Because you'll, if you take anyone and you explain to them what skydiving fundamentally is and what being on a four-way mm. team is and what winning a, you know, a national or a world championship is, and most people mm. will be like, and? So you're, you're are you going to get rich? Are you going to be famous? Are yeah, you going to have this? Yeah, they're that? like, oh, it's their prize money and all of that stuff. And know? and none yeah. of that is the case, and it's very difficult. No. So what do you think it is about skydiving that makes people do such dramatic things with their lives? God, it's, it's so funny. No one's really. It's tough, right? Question. Yeah, I think um, 
I, I, I guess it's just for the, for me, it was just for the, the, the love of the challenge. It mm. was, it was just such a huge obstacle um, and obviously a fun sport. And I, I think that says a lot about skydiving that people are that passionate enough to do it and sure. to make a lot of sacrifices with, with zero gain at the end. I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, it, it's probably a really fucking stupid thing to do because you're financially crippling yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but having said that, it wasn't it, me. I think if you just stick to the authenticity of what your goal and what your dream is, it always works out for the best, no matter how stupid or vulnerable it may make you at the time. Because by me doing that, it, I, I'm in a financially great place right now, sure. but it wouldn't have happened, actually, if I didn't cripple myself yeah, by no, actually no. doing the world championship well and today. i i completely it allow it allowed me it took me to so many different places and i had a reputation and name for coaching etc cetera, etc cetera, and for sure you know, well yeah, yeah. I, I ask because i'm honestly curious because i'm trying to answer that question from my own life is why right, the fuck right. i made the decisions that i made and just like you but in a different way uh my horrible life choices led to amazing places uh yeah I, I normally, I normally balance like my, cause my life has always been like that. I normally just balance my decisions on, does it, if it scares me enough, then there's something, there's something there. Sure. Well, and I <laughs> if think... it's not scary, it's not normally worth doing. And the, the, the scary part normally is the, the part that gives you major rewards, but you just have sure. to take well, a bit of a leap, I... leap of faith. I think that encapsulates skydiving in general, though, because it's absolutely, especially when you're learning how, it's scary and sometimes downright terrifying, and it's fucking fun. And it's very difficult to to <laughs> to explain that to someone else as, no, I'm scared shitless and I'm having so much fun I can't see straight. Yeah, exactly. And there's that whole part, I think people always think that, you know, skydivers or, or within stunts as well, that... Um, you're reckless or you're courageous or you don't have any sense of fear. I'm like, no, I was absolutely fucking terrified yeah. learning. I was such a, I was a wuss. Um, but <laughs> you just have to have that element of fuck it and just go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and normally good things come from that. <laughs> well, in, in a lot of the professional skydivers that I know, I think that's how they ended up in their careers is they've got that just enough of a fuck it attitude uh, that they're willing to take the same leap that involves making that very first skydive is the same leap that involves crazy career changes and moving all over the place and doing all this different shit. It kind of takes that same DNA, I think. No, m massively. And yeah, I've always said that skydiving is a metaphor for so many aspects of life. Oh, but, absolutely. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> I wish I wish the rest of life, life was as simple as skydiving can be when it's broken down to its basics. Yeah, exactly. It's very me it's a meditative thing to do, I think. Which is impossible to explain to anybody that doesn't, you know, get into it, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, I hate it when people call me an adrenaline junkie. Right? Not, I don't really enjoy it, yeah. There was some article <laughs> that came out a, a bunch of years ago that said that uh, uh, people that do things like extreme sports and skydiving don't feel fear and adrenaline and all this that the way that normal people do and that they have to jump out of airplanes to feel normal and all this shit. And I was really insulted by it because it uh, painted the picture that I wasn't doing this by choice, that I was being driven by you know, chemical stimulus and all this bullshit. No, I'm scared to fucking death, but yeah. <laughs> I'm willing to do this and push those limits. I think it's a personal thing. You know, it's it being willing to push that personal limit. 
Absolutely. No, I can't. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So you, you start jumping in England, you you leave your career as a police officer to compete yeah. in four-way and actually yeah. nail this goal right off the bat. Uh, so if you hit it right out of the gate, where do you go from there? Because I sucked when I started. I mean... <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, so we, we did the, the national championships. We, we won that. We trained for another year, went to the world championships and, and, and won that, which was amazing. Um, and the, we were training at Skydive Paris um, a lot because of the, the weather in mm. California. Um, and there's that usual kind of um, post-blues, everything's over kind sure. of transitional slump that, that is always really, really sucky, but is always temporary. Mm. Um, and I, my brain had already started. I think I'd already known at that point there was just no way I could go back right. to where I was before. There's just no way. No. Um, it wasn't an option. Um, so I asked Skydive Paris if I could come out and um, work for them at the school, okay. filming tandems, um, and then if they would sponsor me for my sports visa to be able to do that, hmm. um, which um, they, they did. I did all the work and research for actually applying for the visa. And I, I just turned up to California with, I think, like, a month's rent and five hundred dollars and two suitcases. Wow! And that was it. Wow! See, yeah. normally people turn up into California, especially Southern California, because they want to go be famous and be a movie star. And you turned up to <laughs> jump out of airplanes in Paris. I, yeah, I turned up broke in debt, sold a lot of my crap. Um, uh, yeah. Wow! And just started working at the school. Um, then eventually, you know, after it, like got my AFF rating started coaching uh wind tunnel coaching so now, a lot when would this have been that was um when did i come out here the end of 2008 okay yeah so the world, cha- the world championships were in august i believe and i I was out in California around October, November. So it's my first impression. The first time I ever jumped at Paris Valley, it, by the way, was my first turban drop zone. It's the first big drop zone I ever jumped at. I think the first time I jumped there, I only had like 25 jumps. And I was coming out of uh, Las Vegas, which was at the time uh, (laughs) turban on the weekend, but Cessnas mostly and just this, you know, very small place, not very welcoming to fun jumpers. And I remember driving through the town of Paris, horrified. (laughs) Horrifying. Yeah. Like, what the, f- <laughs> where the fuck are we? This is ridiculous. You know, you can practically see the fucking needles in the gutter as, as you're driving on the way to the drop zone. And then you get to the drop zone and it's like Disneyland. It's, yeah, it's a very intimidating drop zone if you're only used to uh, small places. I remember oh. shaking my pants when I first turned out because I was like terrified. Oh, yeah. Such, such a big, uh, a big, deal but i mean it's an incredible drop zone it's the facilities and the instructors and well the safety and the pools and the restaurants and yeah well from the canasters on down i remember uh, being extremely intimidated and i went out there with staff from uh, um skydive of las vegas at the time um but of course i was just a new kid so they ditched me as quick as they could uh and <laughs> the nicest person that i met out there was manifest dan who was incredible absolutely awesome He's- Still there. Uh, he, he, I saw him recently and he was threatening retirement and I said he couldn't. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he's incredible. He gets, you know, he gets hired 
to be ta- um, to go to nationals because he's such a good manifesto. Yeah, no, he's, he's absolutely so incredible. Yeah. And he would, yeah. he actually took time, uh, again, I'm very early on in my career, and he'd take time to go out and do a couple of free fly jumps with me because I'm standing there with my thumb up my ass because, <laughs> you know, the fly boys are training at the time and Tanya and Craig are sky surfing and nobody's looking twice at me to go jump. And it just turned out to be such a welcoming place, even though it was so intimidating to start. Well, that's what's so brilliant about that drop zone is there's kind of mega stars all over the place where everyone's willing to help you out, which is really nice. So you just, you've got a, it's such a great place to learn because you've got the best brains in the world to pick there as well. Oh yeah. Um, it's pretty rad. Well, so you, you walk onto Paris Valley and you say it's an intimidating drop zone, but you're walking on this drop zone as a national champion in the UK and you just won worlds. Yeah, I mean that was that was returning. Like when I first, well, I'm just talking about when I first got there sure. um, for our very first training camp. But like, eh. um, but yeah, and no, I, I it's good. I, I I turned up with some titles, which was nice, and I was very What's good friends with um, Paris Paris Fury. I mean, um, well, it wasn't my first first week. Like I had done some babyer teams in nationals a couple of years prior to that. But I I really yeah I did go pretty intensely pretty quickly (laughs) yeah i mean that's serious that's that's absolutely hardcore i mean to be able to just go and it sounds to me like you pretty much flipped a switch and went nope this is me now yeah it's kind of yeah that's how i do things really that's kind of awesome right (laughs) so any other extreme sports besides skydiving did something lead you into that mentality or was skydiving you really your first foray into the you know that kind of world I th- it's kind of, yeah kind of I mean I used to jump off cliffs a lot in Cornwall with my friends <laughs> when I was little because right. that's just what you, what you do when you grow up so I think and I think gymnastics you know it's physically pretty uh, a brave sport to do so I think that taught me a lot about body awareness but in regards to what you would call extreme sports yeah for sure skydiving okay. I'd say is uh, well kind oh actually sorry <laughs> Forgotten stage of my life. Prior to being a police officer, I actually was a, an outdoor sports instructor that used to work with um, youth at risk. So I did do like kayaking and, and rock climbing and, and sailing and stuff like that. Okay. Not not to any like crazy level at all. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, so now yeah. at some point during your skydiving career, now you've gotten all these ratings, you've got uh, medals going. You obviously started to put your eye on um, the world of doing stunt. Now that's a pretty fucking niche profession there. Where did you decide yeah. that this was not just a daydream, but something you wanted to pursue? Um, it was interesting. My, so after the world championships and everything, really my, my goal was to earn money <laughs> and get out <laughs> it's of there good. and just, you know, yeah. And, and work within skydiving. So I, I, you know, got all my ratings and I was lucky enough to, to be put on some specialized military contracts just because I could, you know, I was pretty decent mm. coach and the wind tunnel, all that good stuff. So I, I I was really kind of quite content and happy just earning what I considered, you know, as a skydiver, earning decent money and having a great living at Skydive Paris for, sure. I guess, four or five years. Um, and, uh, and, and I also, um, I, I trained for just a, a free fly team for the U.S. Nationals with my friend, um, Nicole and uh, we went there just in the intermediate with the with the goal of of, of winning the the free fly national championships, which we did, which was great. <laughs> and it was interesting. I, I had a really specific. Um, I remember having a very specific conversation with Nicole at the time, saying, "You know, what? I don't know what it is. I'm I'm ready to to move 
move on not not away from skydiving completely mm. but i feel really um ready for something new in my life and new challenges sure um and the next day uh on the way to the drop zone i remember the exact corner i was driving i got a phone call from um craig o'brien mm. um incredible uh, videographer yes. a free fall videographer and he just said hey hello we've got this um uh i got called for a stunt order nature of mine there's a skydiving sequence scene coming up although it's green screen it's all wire work um but the stunt coordinator wants an actual skydiver so so they can really match you know the the physicality of the scene sure you'd make a great double for this girl it's on this tv show called marvel's agents of shield um are you available and i was like yeah um <laughs> and I, I was lucky enough to have my SAG eligibility because I had done a few skydiving commercials at that point, kind okay. of stunt work. But I wasn't, you know, actively pursuing. That was something that came to the drop zone directly to me because I was a skydiver. Sure. Um, yeah, so that that was really a big changing point. I was on set and I doubled this um, uh, actress, Elizabeth Hensridge, which was one of the main characters on the show. And the, I made a good double, and I guess I made an okay impression with the stunt coordinator. Mm. And he, he said, you make a really good double. He's like, <laughs> he was like, hey, what else can you do? Do you have any kind of sporting <laughs> background? <laughs> and I was like, well, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm an ex-gymnast and this, this, and this. And he was like, well, there's a simple thing on Tuesday. You're going to come back and work for me on Tuesday. Do you want to do that? And I was like, yeah, it's like, you better start training. Um, and I will keep hiring you till you fuck up. Wow. <laughs> that conversation. <laughs> and I remember just thinking, right, I, I have an opportunity right now. And, um, there's by no means did my stunt career take off at that point. Um, I, I lived miles away from LA at the time. It was like a two hour journey. Hmm. So I was spending all my time on freeways, um, going into LA to train at places where other stunt performers train and try and meet people and network people, which I absolutely loathed because I'm this small country girl from England and I, I can't stand that bullshit side of things. So it was really difficult right. for me. Um, yeah. And, 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 and gradually, you know, my skills built and stunts is very word of mouth. Sure. You do a good job for one person. You kind of, you know, you get recommended for other jobs. And um, I thought about giving up many, many times. Um, it was hard. It was, it was a pretty cutthroat industry. Sure. But, well, it's pretty um, funny that you got started through Craig O'Brien, of all people. I actually just worked with him not that long ago. Uh, I was the pilot for the stunt sequence, the skydiving sequence they did for the Mission Impossible movie. Um, fantastic. Yeah, and it was really, yeah, really cool. I haven't seen him for years. In fact, um, my old Skyser partner, Mary Tortomasi, who you, I'm sure, know from Paris, um, mm -hmm. she and I um, competed against him and Tanya in the 98, yeah, in the 98 uh, Nationals. And, of course, they destroyed us because they were so fucking <laughs> amazing. And I don't think yeah. I'd seen him since then. Uh, and uh, so it's pretty cool that that uh, he, you know, just by way of knowing you and your skills gave you that uh, opportunity. That's really cool. Yeah. And I mean, life is, is funny that way. I, I just think, um, you know, and, and the coincidence that I made a really good double for this actress as well, you know, is you always look back on pivotal moments, but um, you've got you've to grab those moments when they come. You sure. know, it's not like somebody opened the door and said, hey, be a stunt woman. Like I had the, the, I one toe in the door, I would say. Um, but that was enough for me to 
kind of creep in. But yeah, Craig O'Brien is just um, incredible. Sure. He, I've been lucky enough to work on many projects with him. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just funny how I really remember that phone call. I remember thinking, I think this is it. Well, somewhere down the line, and, and I couldn't tell you when, uh, you know, when you become Facebook friends with someone uh, and your posts started coming up and I would see random um, cuts and takes that you're trying this new stunt or that new stunt and you're getting launched off of shit and, and set on fire and this and that. And and yeah. I remember really taking notice of that. And of course, stunt people, you don't know what they're in unless you're researching it. Um, but I remember thinking right. it was super, super cool that you were doing that. But I also remember thinking, Hollywood it's such a shitty nasty place from the way it's painted in my opinion mm. what a hard place to try and push through to that kind of industry i mean has that been hard because yeah. i don't have a great opinion of hollywood no it um it, that was what i think one of the hardest things for me was um kind of filtering through the the, the bullshit mm. for sure um i think um I struggled at the beginning because I definitely kind of lacked a lot of self-confidence. It's really intimidating being in Hollywood and LA because everyone's the best of the best of the best sure. there as well. Um, and, and you're up, not up against, but you're surrounded by very established stunt women already. And, mm. you know, c comparison is, is the worst thing that you can do, but it's, it's very hard not to. Sure. And I, I initially, um, I get very, very uncomfortable around inauthentic people, sure. and you're obviously surrounded by a, a lot of that um, <sighs> yeah. in that town. But it, it makes me feel like physically anxious, and and I I made the mistake initially of trying to behave in a way that I thought I needed to, you know, looking at other women and kind of like the fakeness and hi, how sure. you doing? Were you networking and hustling? And it, it just didn't settle well for me. And eventually, once I kind of filtered through all that crap and found like you always do your your people mm. um at the risk of sounding cheesy you know your own your own kind of tribe of people that are really true to themselves sure. and I kind of cut cut all that bullshit and was just very much myself and um everything really changed from that point on life got easier people connected with me easier I I gave less of a shit which is I the, think isn't that the recipe then, to success just in life in general yeah. it's just to stop giving a fuck without a doubt stop giving a fuck and be yourself yeah. and and you know you might not be everybody's cup of tea but if i think if you're pleasing everyone all the time you're doing something wrong oh yeah if if, <laughs> if you're not pissing somebody off you're working way too hard to keep way too many people happy yeah I mean, and you're not being you're not being you just got to set your what your own moral compasses and your own values are and, and stick to that and, and, and normally life is easier that way it's got to be so cutthroat in hollywood i mean i can't even begin to fathom how hardcore it's got to be um for so many different reasons but especially as a woman in hollywood i cannot imagine um the bullshit you've got to put up with because you got a bunch of asshole guys that are running around that think they run the world yeah it's tricky i mean obviously over the last couple of years it, it's gotten a, a little bit more um oh, breathable for, for women thank god right yay the me the me too movement um you know what the, i i think that the lucky thing is is if you're gonna pick like the most grounded of departments in the hollywood industry it, it would absolutely be stunts um okay they're for the most part because if you look at what they, they're normally the first on set the the last on set they they're hard working they're always on time there's no attitude you know they're they're, they're 
pretty damn grounded, good bunch sure. of people. Um, but with that, of course, it's unbelievably male dominated. Sure. Um, and, and, it, and it is harder for women because the way scripts are written, if there's 10 background soldiers all getting blown up, they're normally all men. Right. right. So that there's a lot more kind of easy, what we call nondescript days for men out there in stunts, because right. quite often, you know, fight scenes, police, military, prison, whatever, they, they always end up, even though it's not a fair representation, they automatically think man. Sure. Um, so women often end up having to be, you know, really break into the being stunt doubles um now, having so been in hollywood at the time frame that you have been you've kind of been ground zero for the whole me too movement and you're a yeah. skydiver which and i've had many female athletes on the on the podcast and everybody kind of has a different opinion of the me too movement and skydiving because at least from my perspective and granted i'm not a woman mm -hmm. um Sure. I've always felt on even footing with women because you guys kick my ass at every turn. So I've never, <laughs> I've never looked up or down at a woman. They've always been equal because they're such incredible athletes in our sport. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. that doesn't translate into your profession by any means. So how how weird did this movement get for you? Um, I I, I don't think it it, it got. It got weird. I think it got. Um, I, I guess the the only thing that I noticed the most, and this was my biggest error, because um, a lot of guys really didn't like the good guys, mm. the ones that weren't assholes and sexist, or you know, used their power for the wrong reason, or put women in uncomfortable positions. They didn't. The good ones that didn't do that were really unaware of how much the bad stuff went on sure um and, and weren't really believed when stories were told you know what i mean right. and i think that the biggest conversations i had the the guys were way more scared of being falsely accused of something than they were scared of women being sexually <laughs> assaulted i can or, see that you know, or, or have something sexist happen to them, which always happens on a daily basis. Yep, yep, um, and that, that was frustrating initially to have the conversation say, this is not about you guys. Hmm. Like false allegations are the teeniest, tiniest percentage of this problem. Right. Like get your head out of your ass and look at why this movement started in the first place. Right, right. And if you're a nice guy, with and your intent is always correct you have absolutely nothing to fucking worry about sure um I'll tell you I, what. my my biggest irk is when people would say oh my god you can't do anything anymore i'm like well no yeah it's a bunch can't of bullshit do anything that makes a woman feel really fucking uncomfortable yeah. and if you think that's normal then you just need to check yourself it's like yeah. you you can do everything yeah <laughs> Yeah, Just absolutely. Well, you know, the, the, the biggest thing that I found uh, outside of the actual uh, wrongdoing that has been going on and, and uh, the allegation stuff that was going on is guys staying busy virtue signaling so that they don't look like one of those guys. And if you're not one of yeah. those guys, you shouldn't have anything to worry about. But I've been guilty of it as well. I stand behind women. I'm this, I'm that. And then I, I find myself thinking, well, but I shouldn't even have to say that because that's just how I am. I, I believe these things. Mm. I shouldn't have to say them. So you almost feel like an asshole for, for standing behind the women and making these allegations uh, because you're like, well, but I shouldn't, I should just be able to believe her, you know, and, and keep, 
it's not my yeah. I should keep my mouth shut. I'm not involved in this. <laughs> well, actually the what we need is what we need more good guys to speak up and be a be like be the voice as well. We can't do this on our own, you know. So oh, for sure. You know, I, I really yeah, I think women need to be listened to, but they also, yeah, need to be supported as well, oh, for yeah. sure. Well, I think the first yeah. time you and I ever corresponded, uh, you had had a, a comment up, and I don't even remember what the comment was about, but I said something along the lines of having been born uh, not just a, a white person, but a white man in California, I couldn't get any luckier or have it any easier than I did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you, you had and it's really funny. Yeah, I mean, and it's wonderful, and it's it's so refreshing to hear that. And I I think a lot of um, men and women as well, if you're going to talk about like white privilege, but male privilege, um, struggle saying those things because they they translate that with thinking that we think you didn't work hard to get where you are. Sure. You know what I mean? And then that's I think that's the thing people struggle the most with when we talk about privilege, it's like no one's saying you didn't bust your ass to sure. get where you are, but busting your ass also meant that doors opened for you. They didn't close for you. Oh, and that's yeah. the difference. And, oh, and that's absolutely. where people struggle. But it, yeah, it's so, <laughs> it's a really refreshing thing when people can actually say, yeah, this is, you know, I had these opportunities because of this, this, and this. Oh yeah. Um, oh, no, doesn't make no. you a bad person, you know? No, not at all. Well, <laughs> I'd, I'd forgotten about you writing that. That's yeah, really funny. I wonder I mean, what it was. I remember now. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, it was. And I forget what the actual post was about, but I, I remember reading the post and thinking, well, duh, of course I have it easier because I'm a white guy from California. Of course. Right. It, it, it didn't even, uh, I didn't even compute that anyone would think anything different. Absolutely. I have had opportunities that I never would have had had I not been born in the place that I was as the person that I was. So denying that is right. stupid. It is, but as so many people still still struggle with it, um, which is just the – it is a shame. It's, it's changing slowly, but um, – it's it has to be discussed, you For know. Sure. Oh, it well, has to absolutely. be talked about all the time. Yeah. Well, it was funny. I kind of got myself in a little bit of trouble with the editors from Blue Skies, Laura and Cola, because um, I wrote an article uh, shortly after the whole Me Too thing started, and the article mm -hmm. was my perspective of everything that was going on but in regard to skydiving. And like you said earlier, mm -hmm. there's a lot of well-meaning guys that uh, aren't bad guys, but they don't see what's really going on. Well, I'll hold yeah. my hand up. I was absolutely guilty of that because the article that I wrote was basically, yeah, I don't see this stuff happening in skydiving because women are just as fun, blah, 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 blah. And oh, the backlash. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and for good reason, as an afterthought, I had no, I would, I didn't think anything about it as I wrote the article. And then afterwards, uh, both Laura and Kohler were like, yeah. So the first article we wrote about anything Me Too was written by a guy. So that wasn't great. Uh, and, right. You know, and then you kind of basically said you didn't think it was happening so much just because you don't have experience with it. And that was not so good. And yeah, it was. And I've kind of gone and I've gone out of my way to really try and educate myself from then on, because I guess I always want to think the best of people and especially the best of our sport. So mm. the idea that these horrible things are going on in the sport that we all love is terrible. Yeah, but the wonderful thing is, though, and God, I wish more people could take note of this: is you fucked up, yeah, and you and and, and but but you've also you owned it, 
and you've figured it out and you've moved on. And because of it, you're able to have these discussions. And I think that's what's so wonderful. I think a lot of guys are so scared to say what's actually on their mind through fear of offending. But I wish they actually would say what's on their mind if they're opened for someone else to tell them why that might not be correct or that that perspective is completely wrong. Um, And people need to be comfortable having open dialogue. And that's what's so refreshing about you saying that story, like saying I wrote, I I, I wrote something with really good intent with no idea that it was through my perspective, through a male gaze and something I have zero experience with. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And you didn't die saying that. No, didn't die. Well, you have to be willing to fuck up. You have to be willing to make mistakes, and you have to be willing to look like an asshole. And I embraced looking like an asshole years ago. Uh, So (laughs) I'm fine looking like an idiot. I've been writing articles as the fucking pilot for over 10 years. So I'm cool with being the asshole. Um, but like, I want to be the asshole that's learning lessons, you know, and learning, right. all right, this is, this is where I made the mistake and it's not minor mistakes. I mean, that's a, that was a big deal. Um, but I didn't think of it that way because I took it in this lighthearted bonfire skydiver mentality. And that was the wrong yeah. way to look at that thing. Um, yeah. know, especially, you know, not being able to put myself in your shoes cause I've never been a woman. Again, white guy from California, when have I ever been truly vulnerable? Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And and I think that's just the the conversation that we need to have is just keep telling men, ask the women the questions. Yeah. Stop telling us what we do think or maybe think or that's not going on. Like, ask the questions and shut the fuck up and listen. Right, right. (laughs) So hard to do because we're all so stubborn. (laughs) Well, yeah. And and you've been conditioned to be yeah. a certain way you know the the generation where we are the same way I was conditioned for a really long time it took me a long time to get out of it to 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 be quiet and awkwardly awkwardly laugh at things that made me uncomfortable or you know sometimes I didn't even realize sometimes that sexist shit was happening to me because we were right. so conditioned as young girls to be that you know be quiet don't make a fuss don't sure. do anything you sure. know be small be insular don't take up space and it, you have to um get yourself out of those habits sometimes i still catch myself um it's rare now but it it, it takes a long time it takes a lot of confidence i mean oh, yeah. I'm, I'm i'm excited to see what this new generation of young girls come up doing because i just see so many that just they don't know that they're not then they're not treated like girls and it's really excited to see what they're doing um and they just don't have this fear or 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 different idea of what they should or shouldn't do and i'm really i'm excited for them Mm -hmm. not conditioned in that way which is fantastic well i was lucky in my younger um Self-education, because as a lot of my listeners know, I worked as a as a male stripper for a lot of years. Which how did I, how did I not know that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but I did for for a long time. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, and so I actually put myself in a position where um, uh, it was never harassment, but definitely sexual discomfort in very public ways. Um, right. It taught me a lot of lessons where I can see things, or at least I'm willing to see things from a drastically different view than you normally would. Um, yeah. And uh, for as horrible as some of the experiences were, I learned a lot about it. So right. there, there you right. go, guys. You want to learn something, go take your pants off in public and see how <laughs> weird it gets. <laughs> yeah, you fail. So no, now the stunt funny. stuff comes up. We're going to we're gonna leave the, the, the Me Too behind and, and talk about mm-hmm. blowing yourself up and doing really dangerous shit. Is it as cool as it looks? Um, sometimes it, it really is. Um, it's a 
stunts is a funny thing. Sometimes you can turn up on set and and literally end up doing nothing all day. You were there as backup or as safety. Sure. Um, sometimes it um, it's just cool as shit, and you you can't believe you're getting paid to do it. <laughs> sometimes it's terrifying and awesome all at the same time, and mm. sometimes it just fucking hurts and that's why it's called stunts <laughs> i bet well because a lot of the stunt stuff that you do i mean you're not necessarily doing things that have been done before i mean skydiving is one thing we know skydiving you can train for it and learn and practice for all these different eventualities but you're doing things for a movie or tv that hasn't necessarily ever been done that way before so you're you know yeah. on unproven ground sometimes and that you know what that's what i i really enjoy about that is you train and train and you know you kind of have your repertoire of skills but it's never used in exactly the same way right no sets the same no stunts the same no action leading up to it is the same no prop is the same right um so you always have to have a an element of flexibility and figure it out as you go and and i i can't tell you without a shadow of a doubt competing in four-way and the mental game is what i think made me become a, a, a an established stunt woman because Dan BC, our, our coach, um, yeah. focused so much on the mental game for us because with four-way, for the listeners that don't know, it's not it's not like a, a free-fly routine or like a gymnastics routine that you know exactly what you're going to do. You you practice that same routine over and over and over and over and over again, so it's great. With, with four-way, you learn certain moves, but you never know what sequence you're going to get them in for competition. So the first time you go up to do that jump for competition or the, the 10 jumps, you've never done that jump before, right. ever. So you have to stay calm and slow everything down in your head because the muscle memory has not been developed. So it's all a mental game, and that translates um, so much into stunts when you hear that three, two, one action. Right. Um, my brain just kind of goes into to slow-mo for Really? Because sure. I just got butterflies when you just counted down. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's weird. I always, I always get nervous, um, even in competition. I could, I could never be one of those people that could kind of get my heart rate down and, right. and um, be, be, feel really chill. I, nerves would always get me. So I had to learn, I just, um, I kind of separated my brain from my body. Mm. Uh, if that makes any sense, I, I literally almost, my brain has a conversation with my heart. Like, okay, you do that. You <laughs> pump away and you get your adrenaline going, but I'm just going to stay chill up here. Right. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of what happens with stunts as well. I do get like this big, I'm sure if you put a heart rate monitor on me, my, my, my heart rate would, would spike. It does. I know it does. I can feel it. Um, but my brain kind of uh, just slows down. That's really cool. <laughs> you know, I just yeah. uh, I just watched a, a documentary about uh, Tarantino, and I, I forget what the name of the, the documentary was, but it really highlighted um, how he has championed especially female stunt women. Um, in fact, uh, uh, Zoe, mm -hmm. and it, it's absolutely amazing. And I can't remember her name, and I don't even remember the name of the Zoe movie. Be Zoe Bell. She's fucking Zoe awesome. Bell. And um, once upon a time in Hollywood, I, I was lucky enough to work a little bit on that movie. Were you really with her? Um, yeah, um, and she's she's rad. <laughs> and you know what because, because he hired her uh, this is just a really quick segue um there was this huge fire scene um in that movie 
which involved eight uh, Nazi soldiers being set on fire, full body fire, right. like in like insanely dangerous um, stunt. And normally fire safety is always, for some reason, just defaults go to goes to guys for right. some reason. And she was, we needed a ton of fire safety people, and she brought in three people that um, she, she trusted, um, which was amazing. And we had incredible rehearsal days, and we I was one of those women. I was lucky enough to be fire safety on there, but we got kind of mentored by these legends, and that wouldn't have happened if she hadn't been hired by wow. Quentin. And yeah. I also got to, to drive on that movie too. And again, she, she brought in some females, which was great. Do you get starstruck with that? I mean, she's fucking rad. I mean, her in Death Proof and especially in the documentary <laughs> yeah. when they interviewed her about Death Proof and how she really, uh, he was talking about the fact that she was so used to trying to look away from the camera that he actually had to tell her to look at the camera in the scene because they wanted them to know this is really you. And it's yeah. so badass. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. No. Yeah, no, she I mean, she's a legend. Do you um, get starstruck? I, I don't get starstruck with Zoe. I have a, a the utmost respect for her, but she's such a normal, authentic human being sure. that you, you you just want to be around her. Sure. Um, so yeah. Well, there's, the Aussie there's, accent there's, you, blows it's, you it's into like, it as well. It's, well, it's like everything, right? All the people that are the best at something don't need to tell people about that. And they're normally incredibly humble human beings right. who just have a very ground, grounded sense of self. Um, and they're normally very easy to be around. So. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I had the opportunity to uh, meet uh, Michelle Rodriguez as well, and she's another badass. And she was as low-key as could possibly be. I was blown away. I mean, she's I'm, so mellow. Yeah, I did some AFF with her actually. I did, did you really? I was one of her instructors. Yeah. Oh, that must have um, been cool. Well, I mean, you're in Mecca <laughs> for Hollywood and skydiving. Yeah, she she's hilarious. She's <laughs> she's yeah no, she's down to earth and grounded. Has the attention span of about ten seconds, so keeping her on track <laughs> was really funny. Awesome. She's the sweetest, most humble. Doesn't give a shit. Nothing's gone to her head. Type. Uh, actress well yeah. that's kind of how you want to you hope they're all going to be when i met her she was that way very low-key I, I was lucky enough to to uh, spend a little bit of time uh flying for and and uh speaking to will smith one of the nicest human beings i've ever met and that's how yeah. you want them to be but do you find yes. that that's the norm in hollywood or is that the exception to the rule <laughs> um <laughs> so for the i've i've been incredibly lucky like the the actresses that i've doubled are just wonderful um that i've doubled regularly have been wonderful human beings mm. i haven't seen um that much i've seen i've definitely i can i'm happy to say i've seen more great selfless behavior from from actors and actresses than I have douchey ones. Awesome. I don't get me wrong. I've seen hideous behavior sure. on set that you're just like, oh, for God's sakes, we're creating monsters. But for the most part, most people are, are, are really decent human beings. And I got to say that the, the crappiest behavior I've seen more often is from from guys, not women. Oh, I don't doubt that. <laughs> I don't doubt that yeah. for a heartbeat. <laughs> it's, I always want to think the best of people because I will happily turn my back on an actor and all actor or actress and all of their body of work if they're shitty people. 
I just won't yeah. ever watch anything that they do again. I had a horrible experience um, with uh, actress that shall not be named that I literally changed the channel if if she comes on the TV. Um, it's not funny. Do it. Do it. Out her. <laughs> it's Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez is a horrible human being. Oh, that, I know. I've, I've, oh, have you met sucks. her? She's fucking heard, horrible. I haven't, but I've heard. Oh. Um, I have heard rumors. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not, yeah. And some, this was. There's some big fat dump bummers out there. Yeah. They say never meet your heroes. Like Chevy Chase was just straight up an asshole, oh. which was mortifying. Oh, no. Um, but that's a well, a very well known fact. And I've in heard this that. I've heard that. I actually was yeah. just listening to uh, Rogan's podcast not that long ago, and they said that. Uh, he screwed himself up so much from all his pratfalls that he's always in pain. Yeah. So maybe that's why he's a dick. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, no, that's not why he's a dick. <laughs> there, and to, to be honest, most of Hollywood, <laughs> if they turned out to be assholes, I could handle it. Uh, if somebody, and there's only actually one that if he turned out to be horrible, I'd kill myself, and that would be Bill Murray. But I know he's supposed to be an incredible human being. So as long I, as I can, uh, yeah, I've heard wonderful things about him. So as, you're good. You're safe with that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> as long as Bill is still a sweetheart, that's all I care about. So now, <laughs> what comes next? So you've got somebody like Zoe, who was stunt woman forever, but she's now branched off into acting. So is this something that you've thought about? Oh, God, no. Really? I actively do my best to keep my face away from the camera. Tarantino um, comes to you. He says, I've got this amazing role, and you're perfect for it. You just got to look at the camera and talk. You're going to say no to Tarantino? Well, of course I wouldn't, but I think the moment Tarantino saw me try to deliver lines, he'd be like, oh, I've made a terrible mistake. No, I don't know. I don't know. I think under the right circumstances, I mean, if you can pull off the things that you do physically, I mean, granted, the mental game's a little bit harder, but you put the same shit that you put into four-way and into stunt, I bet you can do it. Yeah, but the funny thing was I, I, I don't really have any desire to do that you know and if I did I would have I'm in the right place to go to classes and yeah, fair enough. you know what I mean and, and, and push that but um well, and all the best actresses I, just, I love to... I love physical acting don't get me wrong like I love doing motion capture and I and I love the challenge of being able to match someone else's body movement and I really enjoy it when sometimes my face is on camera because I'm doing one of those nondescript stunts where it is me you know, playing a character that doesn't have lines. Right. Um, I find all that fun, but the moment I have to open my mouth, not not but with not the really accent, you'd be like the perfect <laughs> evil villain woman because all the evil people in movies are English. I know that's true. What do you think? Yeah, I'd be <laughs> the only thing that I would be able to do is play some someone mean or like a badass. I can't do the sweet. I I I don't think I would be a very subtle, nuanced actor. See, but that's the perfect British thing. <laughs> every evil character in every movie I can think of off the top of my head, they're fucking British. <laughs> and I don't <laughs> no, know why that true. is. That well, I mean, it's the the accent, and you come off uh, more intelligent than the average American. You just sound better. <laughs> I guess we just sound like we're plotting and scheming all the time. That might be it. That might be it. <laughs> Who knows? So now, Who knows? But no, that's definitely not, right, not fair, on my... Um, fair play. Well, now you're not full, on my horizon. You're full bore in the uh, the stunt career. Um, what are you doing mm -hmm. in regard to skydiving? Are you still out fun jumping? Still out uh, um, coaching or doing anything like that? Or is it just stunt work I, now? I don't coach or compete anymore. Like stunts really is my, my full-time thing um i still absolutely skydive um i i don't fun jump that often um 
I still do. Like, um, and I did like a fun demo jump with my husband uh, a few months ago into the Stuntmen's Association kind of big golf tournament. Nice. And I still get, you know, I I'm still lucky enough to skydive because I've I've gotten um, jobs for it, like uh, Charlie's Angels this year, and um, I doubled um, Angelina Jolie on a skydiving kind of smoke jumper movie that she's got coming out i think this summer okay um which is hilarious that i doubled on angelina jolie because she's like me pale and stretched <laughs> <laughs> but when, when, when um but luckily she, i was in a very very baggy fire smoke jumper so you, you right. can't tell right. um but so so i'm i'm lucky enough to be able to take skydiving and, and get creative with it with stunts when those opportunities come but i i do still jump yeah but okay. n- not to the the thousand jump intensity that it used to be right. thousand jumps a year type thing so um, if you're out doing a yeah. stunt that's uh that's skydiving involved do you ever look at the director or the guy that wrote the script and just go you fucking moron there's no way this is because <laughs> you that, and I both know most of the shit you see about skydiving in film is just crap. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of smiling. If, if, if it's safe or it's doable, and it's what they really want, and they're not asking for your opinion, it's just a smile and nod. You go do it, even right. though you know it's ridiculous and physically really impossible to pull off in reality. Right. Um, if if it's unsafe, you you. <laughs> you have to you've just got to be a very good diplomat in this industry right. so you got to let people get all their ideas out have all their say get all the ego stuff out and instead of saying um no you moron that's just fucking retarded everybody's gonna die right sorry fucking stupid um i uh then you say uh so 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 that's that is one element um a more practical way of doing something or another option is, or, you know, um, we might, the the way that we can work this is, you know, you just don't say no, but you say, this is how we potentially could do it. Or quite often you say, yeah, no, this is totally possible. It's just going to cost you a lot more money. And normally things get tweaked. So, you know, but that there are times when it took me a long time to realize like, this is just how the industry works and to not, roll your eyes like that just is the most ridiculous thing and it's taken me a long time to to learn to just shut the fuck up (laughs) i I imagine well i remember being really impressed when uh i uh, heard the plan for and then saw the practice jumps when Cruz and craig o'brien were doing the stunt for the mission impossible movie uh because tom Cruise, of course is a skydiver and and craig is the cameraman and we're watching the the rough takes of these and it was really really cool and so when i went to finally see the movie i was psyched only to see that scene and then i saw Mm -hmm. that scene and i saw what holly did to that scene and my heart just caved in i went oh it was the most amazing it was really good and cruz actually did this jump and he did this rollover and it was really intense and the camera was actually on his face and then they went and put paris behind it and ruined the whole fucking thing and, and it made it look it's, fake. Fu- it's funny isn't it how cg can just take away and once, once things get into the editing room sometimes it's really heartbreaking oh i was you, blown you, away you quite often can do this epic stunt that you're so proud of and then it gets to the cutting room and they butcher it yeah um so yeah i mean the, there's two points to that i mean i there's the scene 
I, there's mixed opinions. Some skydivers think it's it's absolutely rad and they loved it. Mm. I was a little, I, I'm not gonna lie, I was a little underwhelmed by it. Yeah, uh, not the not from Craig O'Brien's no. perspective, and 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 this is an this is a a really a, a major point in that is that. And initially, I think, you know, some other camera guys got fired because they were just saying, no, this is impossible. Right. Craig is just so good. He's And, you know, that there was the resources there. It's yeah. like, we can do this, but this is what it's going to take. Yeah. Um, it's like, this is a challenge of epic proportions, but this is how we, you know, do it one bite at a time. And, and he, you know, he was the right guy for the job sure. all along. Um, but, but that was the difference between someone saying, no, that's too hard. It's like, well, actually, no, it is possible. But yeah. Holy crap! We this is what we got to do. <laughs> oh yeah, well, and I remember watching when they landed from the actual jump that they used in the film, uh, when mm-hmm. the director and Cruz and, and O'Brien are all sitting around watching the cut uh, of the actual jump. And of course, it's it's you know no cuts; it's the jump from start to finish, and uh, um, it was really cool. Like I was I was honestly I was sincerely impressed with Cruz's performance on the skydive because he's got so few skydives. Um, so hats off to him in respect to how he did on that jump the way that it shot was shot was absolutely spectacular so the jump itself that they did was awesome the jump that they used for the Mm -hmm. movie was awesome and then they put it on that the screen with paris in the background and it looked fake and i saw it for real on the screen that when they did the jump and it was amazing and then they did everything they do and ruined it i was so disappointed oh (laughs) so yeah yeah if um it is it is harder if you've seen the the raw footage initially um, because you just see it for what it is the the purity of the stunt and yeah it, it really can dilute it when they when they CG it which is a which is a bummer. Yeah, yeah, it was it was unfortunate, but again, it is what it is. I was I was privileged enough to be able to see the footage uh, the first time around, so I was still quite impressed with it. And again, hats off to Cruz did an amazing job, and and uh, I didn't like the movie, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whole nother discussion. Uh, so, a- as is my custom, as we wind down towards the end of the podcast, I always ask people to give advice to those that are just getting started in the sport of skydiving or any extreme sport, really. And for those that are wondering if they should keep going, they're kind of looking for that inspiration to continue. Uh, what advice do you have to those two groups of people? And especially, what do you have to uh, advice to people that are looking to get into your line of work? Okay, so. Um... For people that are just starting in, in skydiving, um, I always say uh, a couple of things. Be, be very careful who you get your information from initially. Um, there's always a lot of people that want to give their two cents in. Uh, just make sure that they're a really experienced instructor. They have a great reputation. Like Do, do your homework on who you're getting the advice from. Um, and the, just the... I see too many people get too complacent at the beginning and they forget that they're Mm. skydiving. Um, Like it's always been said, skydiving isn't a particularly complicated sport, but it's a very unforgiving sport. And all Mm. nearly the majority of accidents start on the ground before you've even got in the plane, the chain of events. And I know it's been said over and over and over again, but it's so very true. So just don't forget that you're jumping out of a plane. (laughs) 
<laughs> and right. and uh, un- understand the stuff like the, my biggest irks quite often a, a separation, you know, jump run separation, understand the upper winds, understand what that means, understand the dangers of canopies being too close together, you know, and canopy collisions and just never get complacent under canopy. I've unfortunately mm. watched, you know, at, at, a, at a drop zone where there's so many thousands and thousands of skydives a year you see more accidents, not because it's unsafe, just because statistics dictate that. And um, all all the deaths that I've witnessed have been completely preventable. So don't be those people. Look before you Mm. turn your canopy. (laughs) And then the the ones that are struggling and are not quite sure um, whether they should stay in it. um, I mean, my my personal story, I was a really shit AFS student because I was – I might not have had the, the, the best instruction, but I was also incredibly scared. So I was really tense. So I, I repeated mm. a lot of levels because I'd get locked in a position and I would turn. Um, mm. And I, I was sat down deflated like halfway through my AFS. And I honestly, I was going to give up. I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to leave today and I'm not going to come back. Um, an instructor saw my face and sat down and said, hey, you will get it. Everyone's going to get it. And when you get it, it's just going to click. Don't give up. Mm. You, you, you just don't give up. And honestly, if that person hadn't been aware of seeing me, I, goodness knows what different direction my life might have taken, you know? And um, so for those, it wasn't a turning point, but it was just that it was just, everybody learns at different levels and how well you do in your AFS does not dictate what kind of skydiver you're going to be in the long run at all you know and most flailing people turn out to be badasses so just just remember Mm. that and if if in your head you don't want to do it because you're generally scared and you hate it and you feel and it's just not for you that that's Mm. fine walk away from it that that's absolutely fine it's just fucking skydiving no one cares but if but if you if you've got that little would have drive and this and the scary feeling feels good and challenging like don't don't give up you you sure. you're, you're everyone gets it everyone gets it there's very few people that i've ever said skydiving is not for you <laughs> mm. yeah yeah um, you know like yeah. i suppose looking back as an aff instructor i gotta say the same thing uh, there were definitely problem students but no one that i looked at and went "Ooh, yeah no yeah exactly um and having the right instructor can obviously make or break your beginnings but um you know, sure. it's like doctors. It's like doctors. There's really good doctors and there's really bad doctors. So, <laughs> <laughs> don't be a bad doctor. Okay, so for for the Hollywood side of things, there's a, a, a young lady or a young man, for that uh, matter, mm-hmm. that's listening right now that thinks being a stunt person is the coolest fucking thing they could possibly do. Um, yeah. Is there any advice, or is it just to give it a try? Oh gosh, there's a there's a ton of advice. Um, the, <laughs> yeah. Um, the the first thing I'll say is, and, and I am a believer that anything is possible, but it, it the majority of stunt people that have made it have had some kind of pretty specialist background in sports, whether it be mm. um, gymnastics, martial arts. You know, mine was a weird one, skydiving, but my gymnastics mm. obviously helped me. But m- most people come from some kind of competitive sporting background. So if you have that, that's that's a great and it can be anything because that often is the thing that like gets your foot in the door whether you're an incredible horse rider or something and the next thing is you you have to be in a city where those people train there's no such thing in the u.s as kind of like a legitimate stunt school here you've got your qualification now off you go it's um 
it's you have to be tenacious so you need to be somewhere like LA Atlanta New York um or Canada is is huge all the cities there and you need to find out where those stunt people often train and and start training and go into classes they are there you just have to kind of search um you have to be prepared to hustle which means find sets meet stunt coordinators um and introduce yourself it's really weird it's like cold calling it's terrifying um and it, sometimes it's just awkward and horrible sometimes you might get a job from it but and it it's hard it will take you a long time to feel established and you're going to want to give up along the way so the the majority of people that are established and full-time stunt people they've just been tenacious mm. well yeah <laughs> um, i mean it would have yeah. to be yeah, because wow. there's going to be a lot of rejections. There's going to be a lot of thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm just never going to get regular jobs. Um, you know, it's, it's, if you want it bad enough, just keep working at it. That, uh, that brings to mind the, uh, the Brad Pitt uh, character in Once Upon a Time in America uh, that just kind of was half stuntman, half <laughs> butler and, and do-all for DiCaprio's yeah. character as well. Yeah. I'd imagine there's quite a bit of that as well. Yeah, I mean, initially, yeah, for me, it was, it was the same. It was, you know, I was working full-time in skydiving and occasionally getting a, a stunt job. And um, But at one point, like all scary things, you have to, I had to commit of moving away from the drop zone, not taking any skydiving contracts anymore and getting closer to L.A. and saying, wow. like, this is this is it now. And, and it was a scary leap for both me and my husband. But the moment we did that, we started getting more work as well, you know. And sure. So it's, well, it's that point, and it's that point in time where you need to be able to take your your foot away from your safety zone and, and step fully into what you're trying to do. Otherwise, sure. it's not going to happen. Now, you're, yeah. You're relatively recently married, yeah. Uh, no, we got married in 2013. 2013. Fuck, time flies by. Holy shit. I know. Okay. <laughs> How how is it? I'm shocked at how long ago you got married. I, we don't even really know each other. I know. Holy it shit! Goes that's crazy. So quickly, now, yeah. Uh, now he's in the industry as well. He well, yeah. We met. He's a skydiver, and also his name's Travis Benagi. He was a free fly world champion, and um, but it's funny. We both transitioned into stunt work almost at the same time, but very organically, but through completely different paths. So wow. it's like we've had this parallel kind of thing going, but, you know, it's through different people. He works with different people. Sometimes we work together, which is really fun, but... Um, That's cool. Yeah, no, it's cool. Well, yeah. shit. So I mean, we it sounds to thing. me like from, <laughs> from cop to professional competition skydiver to professional skydiver to professional stunt woman, you've had one fucking hell of a run so far. Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? I It's... Yeah, I, cool. I feel I feel I, it is cool. I feel I feel very lucky that the opportunities that I've been given have, have come my way, and I've I feel really lucky that I've learned to kind of um, lean into the fear of those decisions sure. as well. You know, so it seems to work just, out well. <laughs> do you ever just uh, sit sit on the couch and giggle just a little bit? You know, I I do pretty much every day. Uh, I never it's never an element of complacency. It's almost a and uh, just every day like holy fuck, 
This yeah, is cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and I, I, that's kind of been my benchmark for whether or not I think I'm living a good life and enjoying myself. Has never been what's in the bank. Never been what I'm driving. It's at the end of the night when I'm sitting on the couch. Do I giggle that I get to do what I do? And I don't yeah. think there's been a day in 25 years that I haven't felt that way, even which on the is, shitty days. Right, which is what cool? it's all about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Hannah, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to sit down with me and tell some stories and have a little bit of fun. I guarantee a lot of people are going to love this podcast. So thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by, well, wait, not as always, actually, brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as NZ Aerosports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the Extreme Sports Collective. Head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, check out summitparachutesystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. By Flyaway Indoor Skydiving, go to flyawaytn.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. By Pure Spectrum CBD. Head to PureSpectrumCBD.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the LunaticFringePodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available. Hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.